0: Hi, this is Rep Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. Our hope is that you would come to know God personally, find freedom, discover your purpose so that you can ultimately make a difference. Enjoy the message. Well, listen, we're excited. We're in a series, week two of a series we're calling Life, Money, Hope. And today, in this series, we're going to talk about all three of those. We're talking about life, we're going to talk about money, but it's going to be filled with a lot of hope. And here's what we do. Typically, now we're a new church, we're a new church plant. We've been here since September the 16th, and we've seen God do some really cool things since we've been here, and we're honored to be a part. But every time we get ready to go into the holiday season, you need to know that we're going to take some time to talk about these things, because it's important. Because what happens in Tennessee around the holiday season, we tend to get in the place where we tend to spend more money than what we planned for. It's the holidays, right? It's the, it's the culture in the world we live in. Buy more, do more. you got to have more stuff, right? You need more, more, more. And the world's been planning for months to get you to spend more and do more. But what happens and what we're learning through this series, we talked about it last week, is that it can suck the life out of you. Like you can get to a place where you feel like you're in a trap financially. So I would encourage you, like... The basis of this series, go back to week one, we're now on Apple, iTunes, podcast, you can go back and listen to that, catch up with the series. But last week we talked a lot about numbers, practically but also biblically, like going beyond the numbers, beyond the numbers. But today we're going to kind of talk around that theme, and, and honestly my hope was today to bring you a message about like getting out of debt, like how we got there and like how we get out of debt. Like, that was my plan, but God kind of gave me a little twist to it, and I'll tell you more about that why in a second. But I want you to know, last week we talked about this, and we're going to jump in the message, but I want to make sure everybody knows these, like, sees this little card right here. Uh, If you've got, like, 2020 vision, and you can read this from the back, let's meet after service, because that's amazing. But it says, something extra to show you God loves you. So we talked about contentment and generosity last week, and these cards, honestly, are just a good way to be a blessing during this holiday season of living a generous life, because as a church, we're ramping up our generosity as we go into the holidays for our city, our community, and our state. But also, this is a way for us individually to participate in blessing somebody. I told a story last week about how a lady's life was changed and saved over a $7 meal. Somebody decided, you know what, I got this card, I want to pay for the lady behind me, pays for the lady behind her, gives it to the teller. Lady pulls up, grabs a card. The teller says, hey, you know, your meal was just paid for and they wanted me to give you this card. And what the person didn't know is that that lady was on her way to commit suicide that day. And so we might think, oh, that's silly. That's just a little card. I mean, why would I want to do that? I'm telling you, generosity like this can change a person's life. Just a little something extra to show you God loves you. So if you haven't got these cards, take as many as you need. We'll, we'll get more. We'll buy more, okay? Like, take as they're yours anyway. We bought them with the money that you've given to the church, okay? They're yours. So take as many as you need. They're at the tables. They're at the coffee and at Guest Central. But, okay, so I know many of us find ourselves in places, and I've been there, maybe you have, to where you feel like, oh, my God, I'm strapped. It's like, I feel like I'm strapped financially, and it might not be financially. You might be doing well there, but maybe there's something in your life that you're feeling like, oh, my goodness, I'm in this trap. Well, today I want to bring you some good news. I want to bring you some biblical principles that can change your life. Change your life, And I want to bring these to you before we go into this holiday season where they're trying to get you to do more. Okay, I want to bring life into you today. So here's our theme verse. Our theme verse comes out of Haggai. Everybody say Haggai. Yes, yes, this is is the church where we kind of like to talk back to each other. It's cool, all right? We're a family, all right? So Haggai, who thought we could learn something from Haggai? Like most of us, like where is that even in the Bible? I've not heard of that, right? Well, check this out. This is our theme verse, and I absolutely love it, and this is kind of where we're going today. It says out of Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. If you've ever wanted a word from God, here's your word today. Are you ready for this? And I love this phrase. God is saying to you today, to me today, to us, give careful thought. Give careful thought to your ways. In other words, if you're going to fix anything, it always begins with your thinking. Like if you're going to, the Bible says like, like if you don't like what you're getting in life, Like, if you don't like the cards that's been handed to you, then you need to change the framework of your thinking and the principles that you built your life upon and built around. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. We're giving you principles that will change your life. And so it goes on to say you've planted much, and let's see if any of these sound familiar to you today, but you've harvested little. So in other words, you're working a whole bunch, but like, I ain't got nothing to show for it. And I know ain't ain't a word. I'm sorry for you grammar teachers in the house. All right? So it goes on to say, like, you're eating, but you never have enough. It's like you drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. And I love this line right here. Somebody, this is your life verse right here. It says, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And then it goes on to say, again, this is what God wants to tell you today. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thoughts to, to your ways. Like, if any of that sounds familiar, if life is frustrating in any area that, that maybe we just mentioned, then maybe, just maybe, we need some new thinking. So maybe we need some new thinking. I love what Billy Graham said. He said something that I believe is very profound, but I believe it summarizes this. And this is my personal opinion, but this is how I feel about it. Look at this. Billy Graham said, if a person gets his attitude, like not just their practice, what they're thinking, their attitude, if they get their attitude towards money straight, it's actually an area, honestly, that studies, secular studies have shown, and statistics even prove this, that if you'll get your attitude towards money right, it actually can impact every other area of your life. It can impact your health. It can impact your marriage. It can impact, you know, like, did you know that 61% of all divorces, like the reason for the divorce was over money? Like it was, it's an issue. And, but he says, once you get your attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of your life. And say, today my hope, like I said, with planning this message, was to talk to you about the dangers of debt, right? And listen, not, a, not all debt's bad, I get that. There's some debt that's actually good, right? But most of us, if we're being honest, have gotten into this cycle, like of this continuous debt cycle in this it feels like we're trapped and there's no way out and can I just kind of jump on my soapbox for a second you know one of my pet peeves that I have with with pastors and people in my profession is that a lot of us get up and like church you need to do more you need to give more but you know that's so frustrating to people that just can't because like let's help them as a pastor and as a leader let's help you find freedom first Let's help people find freedom. Let's teach them the ways to find freedom in this area because I don't believe people are stingy. I just believe people are strapped. And if we can help people as leaders find freedom, find freedom in our finances, like our, our heart is already generous. We want to give. We get that. But let's, let's help people find freedom. Amen? All right, I'm coming off my soapbox now. My hope is to help you find freedom in your life. And see, money, money's an important topic. It really is. And it's one we can't shy away from because did you know that there was five times more scriptures that talk about your possessions, talk about your money than there are prayer. Like is important, but five times more about our possession? Are you kidding me? And like there, Jesus had 16 stories or parables you might hear. 16 out of 38 were about our possessions. Actually, there's been more said about our possessions than heaven and hell combined. So if that's the case, then I'm telling you, we, we need to talk about it and we need to get in it and we need to find some freedom in it because this area, I'm telling you, this area has the potential to straighten out every other area of your life. So my hope today, like I said, is, was to bring you this message on, on debt and hell. how did we get there and how did we get out of that? you know, but God kind of gave me this little twist, and again, I'm going to share a little bit more about that in a second, but when you think about the topic of debt, you know, I believe that it's honestly birthed out of the fact that we just have the wrong thinking. I mean, look at our government, for instance, over 21 trillion dollars in debt, and they're acting like that's not even going to matter someday, and I'm telling you, like, there's going to be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a day that it will cost us if we don't learn how to find freedom in our finances, not only in government, but in our own family, in our own life. God wants us to find freedom. Anybody remember the day, listen, I'm old enough to remember this. Anybody remember the day you could go to the store and maybe like you wanted to buy that washer and dryer, but you didn't have all the money to pay for it? What did you do? You're like, hey manager, I'll give you a hundred dollars to go toward that washer and dryer. I know that's not everything you need, but I'll come back monthly and I'll, I'll pay it off. And then When you pay it off, they actually give you the product. And that process was called, anybody remember that? Lay away. Yeah, you're old like me. (laughs) You remember that? I think some stores are trying to bring that back, right? And young people are like, lay away? That's stupid, man. I want it. I see it. I click it. I buy it. It's there at my door in a day or two days. And then, my God, if it shows up in three, what am I going to do? The world's come to an end. The love of God. Help me. Jesus. Right? And we put it on a credit card. And so you think, here's the problem with that. See, with layaway, here's the beauty of layaway, right? When you finally paid for it and you brought it home, guess what? It was brand new, right? That sucker was brand new. That baby's beautiful. It's purring. That wash and dryer is awesome. But what happens when we do it the current world's way? See it, buy it, charge it, comes. By the time it's paid off, that thing's a hunk of junk. And if you've got whatever that thing is that you bought, like, you can't even find it. It's in the garage somewhere, it's in the attic, maybe you sold it, maybe you ate it, I don't know. But see, that's the problem. We're doing things the world's way. And what happens is they call that consumer debt. That's consumer debt. It's like, like we, we don't even have the thing that we paid for, that we've been paying for anymore. It's gone. It's gone. And that's a problem. And God wants you free. Listen, God wants you free. He wants you free. So as I was preparing the message on how we got into this mess, how we get into debt, and how do we get out, you know, as, as a pastor, I have the opportunity and the privilege to meet with, with couples and to talk through things, and for weeks, I've been just meeting with some families in our church, and you know, that are going through some tough times, and you know, the more I studied this about how we get into debt, how we get out of debt, it's actually... Like if we're going through marital problems, if we're going through financial, if we're dealing with emotional things, if we're dealing with addictions, or whatever we're dealing with, the thing that has got us into this mess, whatever it may be, like it's all the same. Like everything that gets us into the mess, the current disaster, chaotic situation you might find yourself in that seems hopeless and strapped, like it's all the same thing. I've studied it from a secular point and a biblical point. It's all the same thing. So I want to broaden this message today. See, I want to broaden this message to make more of a broad stroke because it's not just about money. This message is about life because we all find ourselves, right? I've been there in situations where, and it might not be financial. You might be great there, okay? But we find ourselves in places that seem desperate. So no matter what the situation, you're going to find today, the way we get in, it's all the same. And the way we get out, it's all the same. So this message is helpful in, in every area, but if your life is perfect today and you're living some grandioso Disney mountaintop life where the, it's like a whole new world and the life is grand and beautiful butterflies, unicorn rainbows, like guess what? Like that's not reality. If that's the truth for you, I'd love to meet after service and figure out how you do that because that's not real. <laughs> but if that's you, trust me, a rainy day is coming. Something's gonna happen where well, you're gonna need this message. You might not need it today, but I'm telling you, save your notes because you're gonna need it. One day. Now, to deliver this message, I want to use a vehicle that Jesus used. Jesus told stories in the New Testament. You might have heard the word parables. Now, parable, we don't use that in today's language. But basically, that was just another word for stories. So Jesus told a story that most Christians are familiar with. And if you're not a Christian today, maybe you walked into church for the first time, you've never heard this story, it's going to, it has the potential to change your life. Okay? And God, in every, you need to know this about God, in every story that God talked about, He was always trying to reveal the character and nature of our Heavenly Father. That was His point. And so I, this is how the story goes. It comes out of Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 16. Jesus says, there was a man, he had two sons. The younger one said to his father, hey dad, like, man, I really wish you were dead right now. Like, because if you were dead right now, I'd have my inheritance. And I know, Pops, you got some money. This is how I read the Bible, by the way, okay? This is how it comes to life for me, all right? Dad, I know you got some money, and I want my inheritance now. So it'd be great if you could go ahead and die. You know, the reason I tell you that like that is because you need to understand the rudeness and the arrogance and the pride that was in this son's heart. You need to be able to feel it. And so, so it goes on to say, and, and it's like, it says, Give me my share of the estate, he says. So his dad did something that his dad wasn't even supposed to do. His dad obliged to it. And he didn't do it because, he went ahead and did it because he knew that this was ultimately going to teach his son something. And again, this story is revealing the character and nature of your heavenly father, so go with me as you read this. Give me my share, give me my money. So his dad divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He took the money and he ran, baby. And he set off. For a distant country. And he did what a lot of us do, honestly. And I don't think we intend to do this, honestly. I think we like sometimes we have good intentions, but but like he goes on and it didn't turn out the way that he intended. Like he never intended it for it to get to the disaster and chaos that it ends up in. We never do, right? With the decisions we make. But it says he squandered his wealth in living in what honestly didn't even matter. It says wild living. And after he had spent everything. Check this out. This is always going to happen. This is always going to happen. In fact, the devil is going to make sure of it, and even natural law will make sure of it, and that is there's going to be a famine in your land. There's going to be a famine in your land. Aren't you glad you came to church today? There's going to be a famine in your land. All right? I promise there's hope on the other side of this. Stay with me. See, there's always going to be a day of reckoning when the choices that we make, the choices that we make We're going to have consequences to them. And I know that may sound terrible, right? And I've had people come to me and say, Rhett, will you pray for this? or Will you pray for that? I'm going through this horrible situation. And of course I do. And I pray God's word and his promise over it. And we believe God. But I'm going to be honest with you. Like sometimes, like sometimes it's good for us to go through some desperate times. Because it's in the desperate times that we really begin to recognize that we can't do this on our own. We've tried. we failed. And that we ultimately need who? We need God. We need his help. And so sometimes, and I'm not saying God, I'm not saying I want you to hurt. I'm not saying I want you to go through pain. No, no, no. And God's not saying that either. God doesn't want you to hurt. And God doesn't want you to go through pain. But sometimes he allows it to help us recognize. Like the Bible even says, you can read it. It says that when the church was persecuted, like it actually grew. Like when things, bad things are happening, like the church actually grew closer to God and they grew in their numbers. And it's, it's amazing. It's like, what, what, huh? but it actually happened. It's all throughout scripture. So my warning to you today is, listen, like I don't, want a let, I don't want your life to get to that point. Like my warning is I don't want you to get to the point, and I'm talking to you today to hopefully that you'll, to save some of you. I want to save some of you from a day of famine. I want to save some of you from some chaos that can happen through the choices we make. But here's the thing, maybe you're not in that day, maybe you're already in that day here's the thing, you realize it today, man, I need, I'm glad I came to church because I need this message. I'm not just going to leave you hanging on this part of desperation. I'm going to give you hope to it and show you the way out of this. But first, I've got to help paint the picture of the reality that we end up in. So it goes on to say in the verse, he says, there was a severe famine in that whole country and the son began to be in need. So we went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. In other words, he tried to make a natural, to come up with a natural solution as opposed to a biblical one. He tried to take matters in his own hand. Okay, I'm desperate. Here I am. I can figure this thing out. I'll just go work. That's what I'll do. I'll go work. I'll be an employee. And so he did this. And then the guy that he worked for, check this out, sent him to his field to feed, what, pigs. And I'll just tell you everything that the devil has to offer you. Listen to me. Everything the devil, the world, our culture has to offer you. You can try it if you like. I've tried it. I've got the T-shirt. I don't like it. I'm here to try to help you with it. Some of you are currently trying. You can try it if you like, but it's always, always going to end up in a pigsty. Some pigsty. You're always going to end up in a place you never thought. Man, this guy kid came from wealth. He had everything. He walked away from it, made some choices, and now it's like I am feeding pigs. He's blind to this whole thing at this point. His eyes have become blind to what's happening. It says that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods. That's the food that the pigs were eating. Like the mess, the junk, the nasty he was trying to feed the pigs with. He was so desperate. That even began to look good. That even began to look good. But no one, no one gave him anything. So when you look at this story, like and how this boy got into this mess, it's it's the same kind of mess we end up maritally it's the same kind of mess we end up emotionally and our families, and it's especially the same kind of mess we end up with our finances and our money. And it always has the same progression, like I said earlier. It has the same progression, the same in to get you there to the mess, but it's also got the same way out. And so this is what I want you to write down. You should have received some message notes in your worship guide when you came in today, and this is what I want you to write down. This is the first stage. The first stage is we always believe a lie number one how do we get there how do we get in this mess well the first thing is we believe the lie like the enemy has one weapon you guys you know what that weapon is it's lies that's all he's got that's the only thing in his arsenal and so you know what that looks like basically hey uh for you women basically say like, hey you know that guy at work Yeah, that little cute little hottie over there sitting behind the computer desk yeah he's a whole lot better than what you got at home girlfriend you know how it also works for you guys hey fellas you know that that girl you saw past my yeah she's a whole lot more pretty than what you got at home I think you need that yeah you need you, you need to go you need to go check that out that's what the devil will lie to you he'll say that but you know what he leaves out so he'll tell you that the grass is greener on the other side but what he won't tell you is that the water bill my friend is a whole lot higher it will cost you something. It will cost you everything. Now, the devil leaves that little, little bitty part of the lie out, doesn't he? He leaves that out. But everything we find ourselves in always starts with us believing a lie. And there's a lot of lies out there as it relates to money. Bad thinking, in my opinion, it's continuing to grow. And I believe we need to come back to biblical principles and that the biblical principles are the only ones that work. They really are. I found this study this week. It's sad but funny at the same time. It's entitled, The Day America Told the Truth. The question of the survey goes like this. What would you be willing to do for $10 million? Like, what would you be willing to do? Right? So check this out. 25% of the people on this survey said, you know what? For $10 million, I'd abandon my own family. And nobody on their deathbed ever wished they had more money, you guys. The one thing that people say there, I wish I had spent more time with my wife. I wish I had spent more time with my kids. Nobody's thinking on their deathbed that I wish I had more money. No. Look at this. 23% of people said I've become a prostitute for a week. Are you kidding me? 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. 10% said they would withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free. 7% said, you know what, I don't know them. I'll take them out, bam, kill them. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're killing a stranger? Are you serious? And then 3% said they would put their own children up for adoption. So there's an issue here. It's wrong thinking. And you know, from a biblical standpoint, and from a secular standpoint, I did both studies this week. And from both standpoints, do you know what the seed and the roots and the root cause that gets you to these places is? You know what it is? It's that we're self-absorbed. We're self-absorbed. We, we care about us, what I want. Me, myself, and I. And there's a biblical word for that. And it might even be a hard pill for some of you to swallow today. But the biblical word for that is pride. Pride. Pride is always the seed. It's the root that ends up causing the damage and the destruction in your marriage and your finances and your emotions and your relationships. It always comes back to pride. It's the seed. It's at the very beginning of the road. If you're wondering, how in the heck did I end up here? Let's back up some steps. It always started with pride. Look at Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before. Two words. Pride goes before. It goes before. The reason I'm bringing this to you is because you need to know what causes this and you need to catch it early so you can stop it. And I'm honestly convinced that if we can start to live a life of humility, if we can start to just live a life of contentment and say, you know what, God? I just, whether or not you do another thing for me, God, I am blessed. I'm thankful and I'm content. And I, I guarantee you this, if you live that, that way and the only way you can live that way is Christ in you. But if you can get to that place, to where you're fully content. I am convinced that there's not one thing the devil can do to lure you into something to something else. Why? Because you're content. You're happy with what you have. You're not going to want anything else. Why would you need anything else? Why would you need this or that, right? And I'm telling you this pride, pride goes before destruction. It goes before chaos. It goes before marital unfaithfulness. It goes before a fall. And I don't want you to fall. My job as a pastor and as a friend is to help you, to love you, to encourage you, and say, I don't want you to fall. So let's back this verse out and let's begin to get back to the place of humility. Get back to the place of contentment in our life. One of the greatest things my pastor ever taught me was he said, Rhett, a man on his face can never fall from that position. Think about it. A man who is on his face, humble before the Lord, content, can't fall from that position. He cannot fall from that position. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Right? Why am I telling Pride goes before fall. I want you to know this so we can do something about it. And look what the prodigal did. If you let that prideful spirit play itself out, like he wants this pride, like, man, this arrogance. Give me my money, dad. I wish you were dead. Like, I want me. I want mine now. All right? Look what happens. You go to stage two. You end up Engaging in self-destructive behavior. Write that down. We engage in self-destructive behavior. And if you find yourself here, we just need to back out. We need to back this out. Let me say it this way. The reason you want to know the reason most of us end up like in places we don't want to be. It's very practical. It's very simple and practical. Our lives simply get undisciplined. Like when (laughs) like I'm convinced that if you develop healthy habits. Like if you'll learn to take care of your body, you'll learn to take care of your mind, your soul. If you'll learn to talk to God every day, if you'll develop habits where you're... Notice I didn't say pray, I said talk to God. He likes to talk. He's talking. He's not silent. If you'll talk to Him, He'll talk back in a good way. I promise. He does it through His Word. If you'll get in, just develop some healthy habits and some routines in your life and some disciplines to talk to Him every day, to get in the Word of God, to go to growth track and discover your purpose, to to live a life making a difference in the life of other people. In like doing things for others and not for yourself and living this generous life. If you begin to do those things, develop those healthy habits in your life, it will help you keep connected and have accountability and keep yourself connected to life. Because listen, if you let any area of your life, any, any area, any area, if you let any area of your life get mismanaged, it always leads to self-destructive behavior. And you're always going to find yourself doing things you never even thought you wanted to do. So maybe you say things like this. Maybe you can relate. It's like, I just can't help myself. I just can't help myself. Mm. I, you know what? I deserve this, by the way. Like, or even justify it with, you know, what harm could it do? It's just a few images. It's just a video. It's not going to hurt anything. You know, I just want to feel good for a little bit. You know? What harm could it do? Like, if you find yourself saying things like that, and the Bible comes along, it says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way of life, my friend. There's a way of life that you think is harmless, but look again, hey, One Life Church, friends, family in this room, look again, that way that you think, no, 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 it leads, what does it say? Straight to hail. That's what you say in the South. Two syllables, hail, okay? It leads to hail, all right? I don't man, as Southerners, we're weird. So to avoid this pit that many of us fall into, maritally, emotionally, financially, in our families, we've got to begin to recognize where we are. We've got to back ourselves out of these stages. We've got to back ourselves out. In some of us, if we're just living a life that's mismanaged, that's all it is. It's as simple as that. We gotta get back to the place where we're humbling ourselves, getting back to the idea of, you know what, I just gotta get my priorities back in my life. Now watch, and and, and here's the thing, when you do that, just watch how it begins to put the pieces of your life back together. It does. So if you ignore this stage, it goes to stage three, is that we isolate. We isolate. We believe the lie, we get in self-destructive behavior. Now all of a sudden, we isolate ourselves from actually those who can help. We isolate ourselves from God, And other people. We always do that. And it's always the same pattern, no matter what it is in your life. It's like, I don't need them to know because now I'm embarrassed. I've already gone down this road. And, you know, it's just better off for me just to wear the mask now and put this facade on because, you know, I don't want a bunch of people knowing. I don't want people to know. Like, I gotta hide it. I've already done it, walked it. Here I am. It's just better for me to hide now. A bunch of us, including myself, myself, from time to time, have done this. We do this. This is what we do. is what we do. And then we find ourselves saying things like, yeah, I don't owe you an explanation. Like, why are you asking? I don't owe you anything. Like, they don't understand me. Pal to the hand. They don't don't, know. Like, I don't need them, right? I mean, you know what? I can do this. I can do this on my own. I can do it on my own. And these are things I've heard over 20 years of ministry. These things right here. Look at Proverbs 18, 1. Whoever isolates, whoever disconnects himself from people, from God, he seeks his own desire, pride, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, anything that's it's foolish, stupid. There you go. It's stupid. And if you ignore that stage, you end up in this fourth stage. And this is the stage I don't want you to be in. I want to help you stay in freedom in every area of your life. And listen, if you come to One Life Church and you make this your home, I'm going to bring you message after message of things that are hope and life and that are filled with the power and the presence of Jesus Christ because He and He alone is the only one that can help you with this. Okay? I'm never going to ask you for anything. I'm always wanting something for you. And what I want for you, my friends, is freedom. Freedom in your marriage. Freedom in your relationships. Freedom in your finances. Because if we stay, if if we don't deal with it, we go to stage four, is that we find ourselves in a dark place. And that's what the prodigal did. He found himself in a desperate situation. And I've been there. I shared it last week. I don't have too much time to go into it today. But in my early 20s, I was over $200,000 in debt. Some of that was my fault. Some of it was circumstances beyond my control. But I found myself in a dark pit. My mom committed suicide when I was seven. That same spirit that haunted my mom haunted me. Said, there's no way out. You're in a black hole. You're in a trap. There's no way out. Give up, give up, give up. Friends disappeared, mocking me, whatnot. The feeling I had was hopeless. It was hopeless, but thank God by his grace, by his mercy, his faithfulness, one step forward, two steps back, another couple steps forward, like next thing I know, 17 years, completely debt-free and seeing God do tremendous things, and it's amazing, and i got the t-shirt, and I don't ever, I don't want to go back to that, and I don't want you to go there, and if you're there, I'm here to help you get out. You're not in a trap. There's a way out. There's truth. and I'm going to help you with that, okay? I'm here to help you with that. And this is how you feel. Look, Psalm 88, 8. You've made my friends to loathe me. It's like everybody else is mocking me right now. They've gone away, and here's what you wrongfully believe. This is the lie the enemy wants you to believe. You're in a trap with no way out. It's like, I'm in a trap. There's no way out, Red. Listen, I dedicate today's message to anyone morally, maritally, financially, emotionally, who feels this way. This is for you. This is for you. This message is for you. God designed today's service for you, sir for you ma'am what you need to know is you're not in a trap with no way out no that's a lie there is a way out you ready for it here it is the truth is psalm thirty-four, eighteen. the lord is here it is he's near god is not far away in fact can i say this to you like i believe that when you're going through stuff god's actually nearer like, I have a 10-year-old son. I love him to death. And when he does something silly like a 10-year-old would do, like, I'm not, I'm not disappointed. Like, I want, him to, I want him to come to me and I want him to be with me because I want to help him. I want to help him get through it. I'm not like, get away from me. Are you kidding me? You're a 10-year-old. I can't believe you did that. No, I'm like, come here. I love you. I want to help you. And that's God. That's God. I want to show him how much he needs me in his life. I want to help him get through it. And some of you, are you're discouraged today. You've lost all hope. And you need to know the Lord God himself is near to you today. To those who are discouraged, those who are hopeless, he's here. So if you've lost all hope, this message is for you. And I need you to remember this. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I need you to remember that God will never let you down. He will never let you be pushed past your limit. He will always be there to help you come through it. You can do this. Am I blowing smoke, trying to hype you up? No, the word of God is true. It's alive, it's active. It is real and living, and you can do this. There is no past, a point of no return with God. Why? Because my God can raise the dead. My God can raise the dead. You have not gone too far. Can I get a good, I'm about to preach myself happy, you guys. You've not gone too far. You've not gone too far. God is near to you today. You need to remember, he'll never let you down. And our prayer for you as a church, my prayer for you individually is that today I pray for wisdom and revelation and that that your eyes would be open of your heart, the things that maybe you can't see and that you would come to your senses to recognize and realize there's a God who loves you and wants to help you and find freedom and you're not in a trap. There's a way out. Look at, it happened to the prodigal son. Look at this, Luke 15, 17 through 21 goes on to say, when he came to his senses, I need us to wake up, to come to our senses today to be able to see he said, oh my God, now how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? Here I am, starving to death. It's like, hello, wait a minute, I'm waking up from my funk. There's a way out. Like, I will set out. I'll go back to my father. I want to say to him, Father, listen, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Like, this was his speech. We all have our speech, right? If I do this, this is what I'll say. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Father, just, just make me an employee. Make me a hired hand. So the son got up. He went to the father. Notice he didn't just think about it. Like he actually did it. Like it just wasn't a thought. He actually took the step to do it. And But while he was still a long way off, I love this, his father saw. him. And I love this line in scripture. It's one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Do you know why? Because basically it's painting the picture that the dad was waiting on the front porch. Like every day. Maybe today is the day. Maybe today's the day that my son will come home. Maybe today's the day that my daughter will come home. Maybe today's the day that they'll let me help them with their finances. Maybe today's the day that they'll let me help them with their marriage. Maybe today's the day they'll decide to just come home and let me help them. And God wonders that about you today. He wonders that about you. He's wondering, man, that's your father, that's the character, that's the nature of your heavenly father, you guys. And some of you, that's all you just need to do. It's as simple as that. You just need to declare, you know, today. Today is the day. Because I'm telling you, your Heavenly Father's on the front porch today waiting for you to come home. He says, the Father was filled with compassion for him. He said he ran to his son. He ran to his son. Threw his arms around him. He kissed him. The boy had a speech plan. He started to go into it. He says, son, father... I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the dad interrupted him. He said, no, uh not today. No, we're gonna throw a party. You know what? Go kill the calf. Let's make a steak. This is what the word says. We don't have time to read all of it. He says, We're gonna we gonna kill the calf, we're gonna make a steak, we're gonna throw a party. Why? Because my son was lost, but now he's found and he's home today. That's the character and nature of God. That's his attitude towards you today. That's his attitude towards you. And you can do the very thing, look at me, here. with every situation you find yourself in today, the progression is the same, in, and the progression is the same, out. Like if you're in debt, place you're not supposed to be, financially, relationally, maritally, here's the way out. Number one, you've got to acknowledge the reality of where you are. you got to acknowledge the reality of where you are. In other words, the majority of the battle, you guys, is coming to a place where you say, God, here I am. You know what? I admit it, God. I've made some bad mistakes, and, but here I am. Many of us are so private, we don't want anybody to know that we're in debt. we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Right? We're stressed out, we're anxious, can't even sleep. And all we have to do, here it is, simple, just come to the place where you say, you know what, God, I know I did it. Here I am today. Here I am today. One of my favorite biblical truths that I've discovered about the heart of God is that did you know your God never expected you to be perfect? God never intended for you to be perfect. He just intended for you to be honest and to tell the truth. There's a beautiful psalm out of Psalm 51. This is real. I've lived this, you guys. This is real. There's a famous psalm that King David wrote. comes out of Psalm 51, and it was, he wrote it after he was convicted by God after he slept with another man's wife, and then he killed the woman's husband. So in this very vulnerable moment, he was convicted by God and he prayed a prayer that I've said a ton of times. I'm thankful that David took the time to write this several thousand years ago because it relates to us today. And here's the prayer. God, have mercy on me. Here I am. I did it, Lord. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. According to your unfailing love, wipe out my sin, God. Wipe it out. Take it from me, God, because my sin is ever before me. The sin I've sinned, I've sinned against you, God. And he says this beautiful line I believe it has so much revelation for you today. It's like surely God you desire truth. What did God really want? He never wanted perfection you guys. God just wants the truth. And some of you all you have to do today is just tell the truth. Say God, here I am. I'm in a mess. And I humble myself. Have mercy. Wipe out my sin. Psalm 51 that goes on to say, I've been out of step, God, with you for a long time. I've been wrong since before I, I said why, before I was born. But what you're after, Lord, is truth from the inside out. You're after truth from the inside out. This is not in your notes, but it's on the screen. I want you to see this. I want to give it to you today as a promise. If you'll acknowledge where you are today, this is what will happen to you. Psalm 32, 3 through 5, when I kept it all inside, when I hid myself, when I wore the mask, when I pretended that everything was good and it really wasn't, when I kept silent, my bones turned to powder, my words became day-long groans. In other words, you're just going to whine about it for the rest of your life. But then he said, but I let it all out. I love this. And some of you need to do that today. You need to get to that place where you let it all out. And he said, you know, God, I will come before you. I will make a clean rest of my failures to you. And this is the promise I want to give you today. Listen, suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved and my sin disappeared. God's not looking for perfection. He's just looking for the truth. He's looking for the truth. He's looking for you. Acknowledge the reality of where you are. Humble yourself. Here I am, God. I'm sorry. Mercy. That's the first step. And a lot of us in church, growing up in church, we take this first step. We get emotional. We do it. But we never take any more steps you know there's more to the plan for your life than just that? Like, that's step one, and it's the most important, but you know what step two is? You need to develop a plan of attack. That's number two. You need to develop a plan of attack. Like, you've got to have a plan. You've got to do something. You just can't sit on the sidelines. The prodigal son had a plan. It probably wasn't the best plan, but his plan was to go back and become his father's employee, but his father didn't want him to be an employee. His father wanted him to be a son. And some of us, we just need to make a plan. And honestly, I believe that's what the church is here to do, is to help you with a plan. The Bible says Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve. The prudent, those who have a plan, well, you know, guess what? They see danger, and they take refuge. In other words, they find safety. But the simple, those who have never planned, eh, keep doing the same thing over and over again. What happens to them? They suffer for it. They suffer. Well, God, I gave my heart to you a long time ago. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. I guess everything's because you didn't, you didn't take the next step. Give your heart to Christ absolutely. Number two, you got to develop a plan. It's practical. So what's the plan? Small groups. Like Sundays for us, it's our primary way that we want to help you come to understand who God is and know God. And that's our primary way, not exclusively, but number two is small groups. We're coming to the close of our small group season, but it's important for you to do life with other people. God's Word says that we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to people for healing. Confess to one another your sins so that you may be, that you pray for each other so that you may be healed healed and that's not physical healing that's internal healing the way we deal with the past and our issues and the things that we're hiding and wearing in the mask is that we get them out in the open we expose them and the thing that you'll notice about small groups you're going to get there and you're going to realize that they're the same like they've gone through the same mess you realize i got struggles i got issues y'all you got issues. Everybody, everybody got issues if you don't think you got an issue guess what that's your issue it really is And the thing is, small groups give us a safe place to go, you know what, I got that, I've done that, I've got the t-shirt, this is how I got out of it. And honestly, I'm in the t-shirt right now, and I need some help to get out of it, please. And it's a place where there's an honesty and integrity and that we can begin to help people with a plan. Linda and I's plan, really, was to stop overspending. And really, that was me, not her, right? I'm in the spender of my family. But we had a plan. When it came to debt, we stayed faithful to it. We started saving. Like, we sold everything. We did the day Rainsy sell everything, even if you make your kids think they're next. Like, we, Max thought, oh, God, my, my parents are going to sell me. We had a baby grand piano that was gifted to us by a church, it was worth like seven or eight grand. Oh, my God, I love piano. Are you kidding me? I was like, oh, I don't want to sell this thing. It's was amazing. I, we sold the piano. We did everything we could to get out. We made a plan and we stuck to it and we took action steps to it. We created margin and we stopped spending everything we had. We started applying these principles. Check this out. This is on my desk. Debt is bad. Saving is good. Giving is fun. Stuff is meaningless. We live by a plan. You need to live by a plan. Live your life this way. And I promise you, if you'll do that, there is peace and joy and life on the other side in Jesus' name. You not only need a plan, you need to do number three, you need to do it now. Like make some steps toward it now. Look at the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. I tell you now. Is the time when now? When is it now? Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Let me say it this way: There's now moment that you need to seize it when it comes, and you're in that moment today to make the decision. Just do it. Just do it. Here's the final one, and we'll close with this one, and this fixes the whole thing. This is where it all began. This is what fixes where it all began. Really, Rhett? Yeah, this is it. Number four: Humbly. Ask your Father for help. It's like, God, I can't do it without you. I've tried. God, I need your help. I'm humbling myself today. I'm acknowledging, God, where I am. I'm beginning to get life-giving relationships in my life to help me develop a plan. I'm doing it now, God, and I'm humbling myself before you. Because look at me, listen to me. If you humble yourself, listen, if you hear only one thing today, hear this. When you humble yourself, it puts you back in favor. With God. When you humble yourself, sir, I don't care what she's doing. When you humble yourself, ma'am, I don't care what he's doing. If you'll humble yourself, humble yourself, it will put you back into favor. Look, first Peter 5, 5 through 7. God opposes the proud, but ha, here's the good news: He shows favor to the humble. So what can you do about it? well, humble, humble yourself. Can you believe it's that easy you guys like it's really that easy let me say it this way if you don't humble yourself like if you don't take the time that you humble yourself you know what the opposite of that is you're going to be humiliated like you're going to get humbled one day it's coming whether you know it or not you can be humble or you can be humiliated it's just better off to humble yourself it's better off to just go ahead and say you know Look at the rest of the verse. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, I humbling myself, why? That my Father in heaven, that's standing on the front porch today, will lift me up in due time. And today, church, I'm urging you, and that is to ultimately cast all your anxiety. Not some of it, not a little bit of it, not what you think it, no, all of it. Cast it, throw it aside, throw it to Jesus. Everything you came in the room with today, cast it to Him. Why? Because He cares for you. God cares for you. God cared for you so much that he gave his best to you even when you were still sinning and doing stupid. He gave his son. Jesus didn't die conditionally. You know what? Hey guys, if I go through this, are you going to serve me? Like if I put the nails, hey wait, don't put the nail in yet. Are you guys going to serve me? Are you going to give your, no, 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 no. He did it regardless, despite spitting in his face, yelling, mocking him. He's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He humbled himself, became a servant to die so that we could live that's the God we serve. He loves you enough to do that for you. And so today, in prayer, will you bow your head and you close your eyes? I'm urging you, humble yourself. Cast your cares on God. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, no one moving around, be very still, please. It's an important moment. I want to pray together. God, together, we all confess, Lord, we cannot live another day without you. We can't do it. We need you. And God, today, Lord, I humble myself, Rhett, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, I humble myself and I just say, God, I can't do what you've called me to do without your help. I need you, God. I need your hand upon me. And God, I pray for my friends who are in this room today. A bunch of them came in, God, feeling like they're in a hole and that they can't get out of it. And God, I'm praying. I'm praying for life. I pray for hope. I pray, God, that they would have the courage, Lord Jesus, to admit where they are and that they need your help. And then to follow your ways, God, because your way, it works. So God, today, give us the courage to take the next step. God, just to admit where we are, getting the right people to help us. And God, help us create a plan, Lord Jesus, to follow your ways and help us to do it today. And listen, you guys, just receive this. Just receive this right now. I say, God, as I, as I pray, I just pray we get our thinking right. God, I pray that we humble ourselves. And God, I would pray right now that you would pour out so much favor, God, that they can't even understand it, God, because of their acknowledgement of where they are and humbling themselves. So listen, if you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you feel like you're far from God, you feel like you're just, I'm just, you're just one admission away, you're one confession away from Jesus coming in, saving you, delivering you, restoring you, reconciling you, bringing hope into your life, beginning the way out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise I'm not going to ask you to come down front. All I would like for you to do is on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. And that's just an act of faith, but that's also for me to know who you are so that I can pray with you. Will you do that if today is your day? One, today is the day. Two, now is the time. Three, to humble yourself. If that's you, you raise your hand. Say, I just need Jesus. I want to humble myself today. I'm not in any hurry. Good job. See that hand? Good job. If that's you, okay, you can put your hands down. You just made the best decision of your life. See, God sees your hand, but more importantly, he sees your heart. So say this prayer with me under your breath, right where you are, just say say this prayer. Say, Jesus, everybody say, say, Jesus, come into my life. God, I've gone my own way, and it doesn't work. Today, I repent, and I come back to you. Forgive me, save me, come into my life change me. I'll be the Lord of my life. I'm giving my life completely to you. Thank you for loving me and receiving me in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for today. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to take the connection card that's outside of your worship. You can look up at me. I'd love for you to take that connection card outside of your worship, God, and we're not going to harass you we're not going to call you but if you'll let us know that you made that decision if you'll mark the card i've committed my life to christ today we want to send you a next step and we believe there's next step like this is your step one but there are other steps that you need to take and all we're going to do is send you an email that gives you your next step. Also on the bottom of that card, it's important, you guys, we believe in the power of prayer. There is a place that's perforated that you can separate it from your personal information. That way nobody knows who it is. You can write your name on it if you want. But every Wednesday morning from 6 to 7 a.m., our team comes together, and we pray God's promises for you and your life. And we're already beginning to see miracles that are taking place in people's lives because of the power of prayer. And if you only have enough faith just to write it down, just do that. Even if you don't believe that it can't, write it down. Challenges, challenge we'll pray and we'll see God move. So take that. But hey, One Life Church family, can we put our hands together for those who made a decision for Jesus this morning? Yeah. Good job, everybody.